You're listening to a sermon from Leewood Baptist Church. For more information about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Timothy chapter uh, 3 with me this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. And if you don't own one and you would like to take that with you, that is our church's gift uh, to you. Those Bibles are meant to be given away. So here we are in 1 Timothy chapter 3. In 1 Timothy, we've seen that a 1 Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Timothy and Paul had met in Lystra on one of Paul's missionaries' journeys, and Timothy was a young man, and Paul began discipling and mentoring Timothy. And Timothy grew up in the faith, and so as Timothy grew, Paul began sending Timothy out on different missions to different church. Well, during Paul's ministry, there was some false teaching uh, going on in a city called Ephesus among the church there about Jesus, some false doctrine and teaching about Christ going on there. So Paul sends Timothy there to walk the, the, the dysfunctional church of Ephesus through all this bad doctrine. So, so far as we've been going through 1 Timothy, seeing God's blueprints and design for the church, we have seen that the church is the community of true believers in Christ. And so then Paul addressed that community of true believers. He addressed the false doctrine. Paul, in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, encouraged the church to revolve around the gospel, that the church must revolve around the gospel, and that anything that becomes more important than the gospel in the church is nothing simply more than idolatry. We've seen that because the church is a community of true believers and its people, that the church is not a building, it's not a place, it's not a nonprofit organization, it's people. A few weeks ago, we saw that the church is a place full of broken people, that the church is not a country club, but it's a hospital where people come and receive mercy. We saw two weeks ago that the church is to be in prayer and that our prayer is to be specifically for all people, that we are to be praying for the nations and we need to be praying for the lost around us. Last week, we saw how the church is to be led, led by a plurality of elders, we also saw how the churches be served by deacons, and we saw the qualifications of elders or pastors, overseers, and deacons. And this week, we're going to see that the church, we are charged with protecting something. Just this week, um, I enjoy Netflix. Um, there is so many, uh, we live in a great time in history because there is so many streaming services out there, and on Netflix, there is a documentary on the Secret Service. And so I've been kind of poking around that uh, documentary about the Secret Service. What is the Secret Service of our country charged with? Mainly protecting the president, but also protecting our church from our church, our nation from counterfeiting money. Well, on November 22nd, 1963, some of you may remember this, our president John F. Kennedy was killed and shot in Dallas, Texas, there on Dealey Plaza. I've had the opportunity to be there in Dallas um, in June where that event took place. Well, there was a Secret Service agent. His name was Clint Hill. 
And two seconds after the gunshots rang out from the Texas Book Depository from Lee, uh, Lee R.V. Hoswell's uh, rifle or from wherever else, if you get into the conspiracies upon that, um, two seconds after the fatal gunshot, Clint Hill, a Secret Service agent, ran from the car directly behind President Kennedy and his wife and leaped onto the back of the limousine. And once he was in the car, he put himself on top of the president and the first lady to shield them from any possible bullets. Well, 12 years later, on 60 Minutes, they interviewed Clint Hill, and he said, if I had reacted maybe a second faster, I would not be here today because I would have taken the third fatal shot. And honestly, that would have been fine and okay with me if I had just reacted a little quicker, and I guess I could have. The Secret Service, if you were to join the Secret Service, your responsibility would be to be willing to take a bullet for the president to protect them. Today, as the church, and for all of church history, We are charged with protecting truth. We are charged and commissioned to protect truth and Scripture. And Paul writes about that to Timothy here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And let's start looking at verse 14. Let's look at verse 14 when Paul writes this. He says, I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. But if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. In these verses, we see Paul, in his writing, he kind of pauses. Now, in our, in our copies of God's Word today, it, our, our Bibles are broken up into chapters and paragraphs, but really, 1 Timothy was not written in chapters how you and I have it laid out for us today. It was just written in Greek just straight through. And so here, Paul, he kind of pushes pause for a minute, because previously, as we saw last week, we saw that the churches be led by the pastors, elders, overseers, served by the deacons. And now here in verse 14, Paul stops and he pauses to give Timothy instruction to really state the purpose of his letter. And in, in pausing and stating the central purpose of his letter, Paul reveals what this whole book is really about. He says that he hopes to see Timothy again, but if he's delayed, he's writing so that it will be made known how one ought to behave in the household of God. Do you see that phrase um, in verse 15? He says, I've written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. 
Now, this phrase, how one ought to behave, really does a good job of summarizing the focus of the letter of 1 Timothy. Because think about this for me. Let's just follow the progression as we've seen so far here in 1 Timothy. Paul sent Timothy to Ephesus to address false doctrine being spread in the church. And he instructs Timothy how to do that. So if we're, if we're not careful, we can interpret and apply this phrase incorrectly. We could take this phrase, how one ought to behave in the household of God, as we could take that as how we are supposed to behave in the church. We could apply that, that we're supposed to be this stoic, incredibly proper and well put together facade of people when we come to church. Now, we talked about uh, with, throughout this series that the church is not a building, it's not a place, it's people. And so if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a part of the church. So if you are part of the church, how can you go to something that you are? So we don't go to church, we are the church. But if we're not careful, we can apply verse 15 incorrectly saying, well, we're supposed to behave a certain way in the church, that we're supposed to be this stoic, very proper, well-put-together facade, and that when we go to the house of God, and we'll talk about that in just a second, we need to throw on this fake persona. But remember, this is not God's house. God does not live here. Scripture teaches that God lives in us in the Holy Spirit. So God doesn't live here. He lives in us. And there's nothing special about this building. And as we saw three weeks ago, the church is a faith family full of broken people in need of mercy. So there's no need to try to come to church and fake as if everything is put together in our lives. Somewhere along in our American church history tradition, we have this idea that we come to church and we act a certain way. And we throw on a facade and we don't let people in. We don't let people know how broken we may truly be. We may not show people how truly hurt we are. We may not truly let people know how messed up we are. But again, we are a faith family full of broken people. So if you're here broken this morning, join the club. Well, actually, we're not a country club, so let me take that back. Join the family. Get in line. So this idea of how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household is not talking about behavior. It's not talking about external behavior. It's talking about truth. Because Paul goes on to continue to write on, he says, in God's household, which is the church of the living God. So again, in verse 15, Paul describes the church how? As a household. Do you see it? He describes it as the household of God. Paul consistently throughout his writing writes about the church as a family, as a household of God. It's not a building, not a place, but a family. He writes that in 1 Corinthians 4.1, in Galatians 6.10, Ephesians 2.19. And so we have this faith family, and I love this household of God because in a faith family, you have old and you have young in a family. You have rich, you have poor in a family. And so as the household of God, 
We are then charged to do and be something. Look at the end of verse 15. He says, the house, the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. How many of you over the last week with the monsoon we've been experiencing here in Kansas City have had foundation issues and leakage in your basement? Anyone else? Okay. I've been fortunate I haven't, but there's a good portion of you that have. You've shared that with me. When you have foundation issues in your house, big deal or not big deal? Big deal. It's a really, really big deal. Why? Because at the foundation of a house, if a foundation crumbles, what else goes with it? The rest of the house. It, it, it will shift, it will crack, it will cause a lot of expensive damage. Well, the church, we are described as a pillar, a foundation of what? Are we the pillar and foundation of the community? No. Are we the pillar, the foundation of society and culture? No. We are the pillar and foundation of the truth. So as the pillar and foundation of truth as the church, church, first we must know truth. We must know what the truth is. We'll get to that in a second. But we also need to protect it. Some translations, the ESV calls it a buttress of the truth, a wall for the truth. We are to protect the truth. Just as the Secret Service is charged to protect the president, we as the church are charged to protect the truth. Now, we live in a society that is called postmodern. What does postmodern mean? It means truth is relative. You can make truth out to be whatever you want it to be. Our society today says you can make your truth for you personally. We live in a culture that the idea that the idea in our culture is that truth is a buffet. I can take some of this and enjoy this, but I'm not going to have any of that. And that's how our society, our culture treats truth today. Sometimes we as Christians, we can even treat scripture that way. I'll have a little bit of the grace and love of God, but I'm not going to have any of his wrath and his judgment. But if we're not careful, as the church, we can treat Scripture that way. I'll have some of this, but none of that. And we treat Scripture like the golden corral. We do that in our own personal lives. I like this about Scripture, but I don't like that, so I'm just going to ignore that and move away from that. Well, if our idea on truth is that, that if we can make truth whatever we want it to be, then that's not truth. Why? Because we as human beings, were flawed. We have our built-in biases, so we ultimately cannot be the source of truth. I cannot be the source of truth because I have my biases, I have my flaws, I have my own preconceived ideas, and you can't either. So we are not capable of deciding what is true on our own. So when our culture tells us, make truth whatever you want it to be, that is not a fair expectation of our culture because we're not capable of doing that. So we need a source of truth. 
And if you are here this morning, and we have a great group, a large group this morning, if you are here this morning, I hope you are on a journey in search for truth. That you are here seeking and wanting to know truth. But we need to have a source for it. Just like if you were a reporter for a newspaper, if you put something in a newspaper, of course, today you can almost do whatever you want and put it in print. But if you're doing journalism correctly, you better have a source. Well, if we're going to find out what truth is, and if we as the church are charged with protecting and being a pillar, a foundation, a buttress of truth, what is our source? Who is the source? It's Christ. And how do we learn truth? It's through his word. Paul, in another letter to Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, Paul wrote, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration means breathed out. It comes from the very being of God. So if all of Scripture is inspired of God, is is breathed out by God, then it must be true, all of it. That's why we hold to the inerrancy of Scripture, that all all of Scripture is true. Because it comes from God. If you say that that Scripture is not inerrant, that not all of Scripture is not true, if there's some errors in it, then what we're really saying is then God is not completely true. Then God is not truly, uh, truly true. That there are errors and inconsistencies in God because all of Scripture is breathed out by God. So we learn what truth is through His Word. That's why we, when we preach and teach, we go through books systematically. Why? So that way we can have all of the inspiration of God. We can avoid soapboxes. We can see what Scripture says, and we must believe Scripture because it's true. David wrote in Psalm 119:151, You are near, O Lord, and all your commands are truth. Psalm 119:160 All your words are true, all your righteous laws are eternal. Jesus in John 17 in his high priestly prayer in John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them, praying for us, the church. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. In 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul wrote to Timothy, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. James 1.18 says that Christ chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits for all he created. So in James 1.18, it claims that we were birthed spiritually through the word of truth. So our salvation is rooted in scripture. So as the, tr- as the church, we must stand and protect the truth. We must be a pillar, a foundation, a buttress of truth, the truth of God's word. So as the church, we protect the truth, but we must know the truth, and we must know the word. 
one of the reasons why I'm working with our kids on Sunday mornings and with my own kids during the week on memorizing Scripture is we want our kids to know the truth through Scripture. As adults, we must know the truth from Scripture. I hope that you have carved, you carve out a time where every week you are spending time with God in His Word so you can know the truth. The church must be centered on His Word so that way we can be centered on truth. So we must avoid the temptation of treating the Bible like the golden crowd, or I'll have some of this, but I don't want any of that. But we must go to Scripture so we can know the truth and follow in it. But Paul also writes, as the church, as we protect the truth, we must also confess the mystery of godliness. Look at this. Look at verse 16. And most certainly... The mystery of godliness is great. Do we have anyone here that likes murder mystery TV shows? And I'm just not into those. I just, I've tried really, really hard. I just can't bring myself to it. I remember my mom growing up, she loved to watch the, the, the TV shows Remington Steel. Do you remember that with Pierce Brosnan before he became James Bond? Uh, uh, Remington Steel. My mom also liked to watch uh, Murder, She Wrote. Anyone else remember that TV show? Yeah, okay. Like I know you watch TV. You don't come in here with your facade. It's okay to watch TV. That's fine. Uh, murder, she wrote. Like, we love our murder mysteries. We love, I mean, you go, you turn on uh, TV, on network TV, and there's all kinds of crime shows. Why? Because we love mysteries. We like to watch about mysteries. We love to read about mysteries. So there's something intriguing about a mystery. Well, Paul gives us here in 1 Timothy 3 a mystery, a mystery to be solved, and it's the mystery of godliness. So what is the mystery of godliness? And he says it's great. It's vast. It's huge. So what is the, the, the mystery of godliness? Well, here it is. Look at it. He, capital H, that should give you a clue. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed, all, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. So what is the mystery of godliness? Here in verse 16, anyone want to throw out a guess? It's Christ. It's Jesus. Right here, we, this mystery of godliness refers to the entire content of God's revealed plan of salvation. Paul was a bit of a poet. He kind of goes into poetry mode here, and he gives that great gospel message. And what is that gospel message? That God, that he was manifested in the flesh in Jesus Christ. Then he says he was vindicated in the, in, in the Spirit. What does vindicated mean? Vindicated in the Spirit, that's a reference to the resurrection, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ was resurrected. So God was manifested in the flesh in Jesus Christ, vindicated through his resurrection. 
and then afterward was displayed in victory. He's seen by the angels of heaven. He's preached among the nations of the world. He's believed on in the world, and he's taken up in glory. So right here in verse 16, Paul gives us a poetic gospel message in, the nut- in a nutshell, that God was manifested in the flesh in Christ, that he was vindicated in the spirit through his resurrection. He's seen by angels in heaven. The nations are preaching him. He's believed on in the world, and he's been taken up in glory. Faith family, that's the gospel. That's the mystery of godliness. And so back up to verse 15, when Paul talks about the, the pillar and foundation of the truth, and most certainly the mystery of godliness is great. What Paul is talking about here, he's talking about the gospel, that the church must be centered and founded on the, on the truth in Scripture and upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters. Everything else is window dressing. And so as Paul wrote this, we have to remember what was happening in Ephesus. There was false doctrine being spread throughout the church, false teachers infiltrating the church. And so Paul reminds the church then 2,000 years ago and us today, the truth is founded upon Scripture and truth is found in the gospel. So as the church, let's stay upon scripture. Let's confess and proclaim the gospel. And if you're here this morning and you're searching out the truth, run to scripture and run to the gospel and know who Jesus is. Because he now sits gloriously at the right hand of the Father. Pray with me. God, thank you for your truth. We thank you for giving us your source of truth in your word. We thank you for the gospel that we can have a relationship with you through what Jesus did upon the cross and his resurrection. And I pray that first, God, you would cause us as the church here on the corner of 83rd and State Line, God, help us to stay centered on Scripture. Help us to avoid treating truth and scripture and the gospel like a buffet where we pick and choose. Cause us to trust and believe you. And then ultimately to obey you. And God, I pray if anyone here that is searching for the truth, open open their eyes to truth. Show them yourself so they can enter into a glorious relationship with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're in the Kansas City area, we'd love to have you be our guest. We're located at 8200 State Line Road in Leewood, Kansas. Worship services are on Sunday mornings at 1030. To learn more about us, visit our website at leewoodbaptist.com.